Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. scripture reading today is the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Listen to these words. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, open our eyes and enter our minds by your Holy Spirit to teach us the meaning of Palm Sunday. Show us how to live in the triumph of your kingdom. Give us your mind, your love, your humility, King Jesus, and live your kingdom through us this day and every day. Amen. In only five days, Christians around the world will celebrate Palm Sunday. What does Palm Sunday mean? Palm Sunday announces the meaning of victory as the triumph of the kingdom of God. It is the acceptance by the world of its one and only true King, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the life of Jesus, the solemn entrance into the holy city of Jerusalem was the only visible triumph. Up until that day when Jesus came into the city, he consistently rejected all attempts of the people to glorify him. But six days before the Passover feast, Jesus not only accepted to be glorified, he himself provoked and arranged the glorification 
by doing what the prophet Zechariah had announced. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee lowly and riding upon a donkey. Jesus made it clear that he wanted to be acclaimed and acknowledged as the Messiah, the King, the Redeemer of Israel. All the Gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, stress these messianic features. The riding on the donkey, the palm branches, the cry from the crowd, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The history of the people of Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament, is now coming to an end. This is what this triumphal entry means. The purpose of the Jewish history was to announce and prepare people for the kingdom of God, the advent of the Messiah. And now it is fulfilled, for the King Jesus is entering into his holy city, and in him all prophecies and all expectations find their fulfillment. Jesus has inaugurated his kingdom. In churches around the world this coming Sunday, we will celebrate Palm Sunday. With palm branches in our hands, we will identify ourselves with the people of Jerusalem. Together with them, we will greet the lowly king, singing Hosanna to him. But what does this mean for us today? First, Palm Sunday worship is our confession of Christ as our King and Lord. We need to remember that the kingdom of God has already come. It has already been established. And on the day of our Christian baptism, we were made citizens of God's kingdom. In our baptism, we promise to put our loyalty to Jesus above all other loyalties. He is now our Lord and Savior. It was only for a few hours that Christ was indeed king on the earth and in only one city in the land of Israel. But the spiritual kingdom which Jesus announced and began is a universal kingdom. It embraces all men and everyone from all countries around the world. Jesus' royal entrance was the hour of fulfillment by God of all his promises and all his decisions in the Old Testament. It came at the end of the entire process of preparation revealed in the Old Testament scriptures. It was the end of all that God had planned to do for the salvation of men. Therefore, this short hour of Christ's earthly triumph as he is proclaimed the king acquires an eternal meaning. It introduces the reality of God's kingdom into our time, into our hours, and makes the kingdom of God the meaning of time and its ultimate goal. Therefore, it is the kingdom of God in this world that judges and transforms all human history. At the solemn moment when Christians around the world hold a palm branch in their hand, they are confessing Jesus as king. They are confessing the goodness, the supremacy of his kingdom as the ultimate meaning and content of their lives. When we acknowledge Jesus, 
we are saying that everything in our life and in the world belongs to Christ the King. He is the Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing can be taken away from King Jesus, for there is no area of life in which he does not rule, save, and redeem. Beloved, we must see this truth. This is the wonderful and symbolic meaning of Palm Sunday worship. We know, however, that the king whom the Jews acclaimed in 32 AD and whom we on Palm Sunday acclaim is on his way to Golgotha, to the cross and to the grave. His short moment of triumph is the prelude of his sacrifice for us. The palm branches held in our hands signify our readiness and willingness to follow Jesus on his sacrificial way. It is our willingness and our acceptance of sacrifice and of self-denial as the royal way into the kingdom. Finally, Palm Sunday worship and palm branches proclaims our faith in the final victory of Christ. His spiritual kingdom is yet hidden and the world continues to ignore it. Our world lives as if the decisive event of Jesus' coming had not even taken place, as if God had not died on the cross, and man in him was not risen from the dead. But we as Christians know differently. We believe in the coming of the kingdom, in which God will be all, and Christ is the one and true King. It is the purpose of Sunday worship to remember events of the past. But the whole meaning and power of the worship liturgy is that it transforms remembrance into reality. On Palm Sunday, this reality is our own involvement in and our responsibility to the kingdom of God. Let that truth sink in. The meaning of Palm Sunday is that you are committing yourself to be involved in the kingdom of God, to live in the good of it, and to obey the King Jesus. Now listen. Christ does not enter into Jerusalem anymore. He did it once and for all. He does not continually die on the cross. He did that once and for all. Now he desires from us a real acceptance of the kingdom which he brought to us. Therefore, if we are not ready to stand by the solemn promise which we are making on Palm Sunday, if we do not mean to make the kingdom of God the measure of our whole life, then our worship is meaningless and we have lost the true essence of Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday also begins the most important week of the entire church year because in the events of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, the Lord Jesus accomplishes God's work of salvation. Dying, he destroyed the power of death, and rising, he opened the door of eternal life to those who believe upon him. Jesus foretold his death in John 12, 24. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. 
But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Jesus was speaking about his death. He was speaking about the events of Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Jesus came to earth to die. But then he turns and says to his disciples, If you want to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. What this means is saying no to ourselves. It means saying no to our natural love of ease and comfort. It means saying no to the desires and longings which prompt us to indulge in forbidden things. It means saying no to every course of action based on self-seeking and self-will. How do we do that? Not in our own strength, because on our own we will always follow the path of selfishness and self-will. We turn to Jesus. We look at Jesus. We follow his example during Holy Week. Look at our Bible passage in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus is fully God and fully man. This is the wonderful mystery of the incarnation, the God-man, Jesus. He came, he disrobed and divested himself of his divine appearance in order to take upon himself the form of a servant. He laid aside the appearance and attributes of his divinity in order to visit us as a man. So, what does verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2 mean? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's look closely at these verses. First, let's define the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is the mind of love, the love of God, self-sacrificing love. God is love. Christ is love. The message of the cross is love. Beloved, ignore the world's definition of love. It is wrong-headed and misleading. The world shows you images of passion and romance in books and movies and says, this is love. It is a lie. Most of what books and movies show you is infatuation and lust. God takes you to the foot of a tree on which a naked and bloodied man is hanging and says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you want to know love? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus dying on the cross and you will know love. That is the ultimate standard and expression of love for you.
You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Blessed is our God always, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. God is the Lord and has revealed himself unto us. O come, let us magnify our Lord Jesus Christ with gladness, lifting up our palm branches, crying aloud unto him, saying, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's continue our lesson. Second, the mind of Christ looked always and only to obey the will of his heavenly Father. Therefore, if we are to take upon ourselves the mind of Christ, we must not only let love be the master of our life, the reason for everything we do, but we must seek to obey the will of our heavenly Father even as our Lord Jesus constantly obeyed his heavenly Father. Third, the mind of Christ was a cross-focused mind. Jesus always saw the cross as the goal of his ministry. Jesus knew that the deep sin sickness of humanity could only be healed by the mystery of sacrifice and suffering, death and bloodshed. He accepted the cross as the master plan of God's wisdom from all eternity, even though unbelieving men still mock the cross and call it foolishness. Oswald Chambers says, Heaven is constantly interested in the cross of Christ. Hell is afraid of it, while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. The mind of Christ was focused like a laser beam upon the cross, and he had to obey the path to the cross against the opposition of both his enemies and his friends. His enemies suggested that there was an easier way to heal the need of humanity. He could simply reveal himself as king of all and rule over the hearts of men. His friends kept telling him to spare himself and take a rest. Jesus, slow down, take a break, go home and rest. You don't need to always be about the business of the cross. How do we put on the mind of Christ? By looking very closely at Jesus during this Holy Passion Week. By seeing in our imagination his love and humility. We become what we look at. We become what we worship. We don't fit Jesus into our day. We build our day around Jesus. The more we look at Jesus and love Jesus, the more we will change from within. 
we will slowly take on board the attitude and mind of Christ and what was the overriding virtue of Jesus, love and humility. Every movement in the story of Holy Week reveals the indescribably beautiful love and humility of the Lord Jesus. In the words of the hymn writer, fulfilled is all his words foretold, then spread the banners and unfold love's crowning power that all may see. He reigns and triumphs from the tree. Is this really true? Did our Lord Jesus reign and triumph from the cross? Yes, he did. Because beyond the cross is Easter morning, resurrection life and the reign of power. After the cross came the victory and the joy of triumph. Don't miss the glory of verses 8 to 11 in our passage. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus suffered the agony of the cross, died and rose again in triumph. If we want to share in the triumph of Christ, we must have his mind. We must let the mind of Christ have its way in us by yielding our wills to his will. We must give up our own calculations and self-preservations and abandon ourselves to love, follow, and serve Christ alone. Jesus and his kingdom have truly come. His call is for man to be completely shaped and formed by the seeking of his kingdom. The Christian's orientation is always away from this world to the deeper, richer, fuller world of Jesus and his kingdom. We must seek to live our lives like the early Christians described by an anonymous second century writer. The Christians are distinguished from other men neither by country nor language nor the customs which they observe. They do not lead a way of life marked out by any worldly attribute, but they display to us their wonderful and striking manner of life. They dwell in their own countries, but as sojourners. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on the earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They love all men, though they are persecuted by all. They are unknown, yet condemned. They are put to death, yet restored to life. They are poor, yet they make many rich. They are dishonored, yet in their very dishonor they are glorified. Beloved, every choice, every action must be considered from the perspective of Christ and his kingdom and our future life in eternity with him. When we do not act in this way, 
we reduce our choices and behaviors to the limited perspective of this brief earthly life. This Palm Sunday, do you love Jesus? Do you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you long to live in the fullness of his kingdom where his will is done? Do you seek to follow his pattern of love and humble obedience? Let us gladly leave the distractions of this world and enter into the joy of the true king and the good of his kingdom. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Gaudet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. We always appreciate hearing from our listening audience. Share a prayer request. Tell us what God is doing in your life, and we will pray for you. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. <laughs>